Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Dayton Tolbert Show. I am your host, Dayton Tolbert. This is the original Urban Podcast. Uh, today is what I call my, uh, well, I'm calling it today, America at War. Um, and the reason why I, I named it that, uh, that title for today is because um, it's Election Day. And, you know, when you look around, like literally, it's, it's like a war zone, whether it's the riots, whether it's the protests, or just the, the anxiety surrounding um, everything that's going on um, in this country. Um, if we look at uh, the, just the black versus white, we look at rich versus poor, we look at Trump versus Biden, we look at the police versus citizens. It's, it's, it's nothing but constant conflict. And so I wanted to come in today uh, to discuss that. Um, every year around this time I do a number of, you know, specials around the debates. Um, I do uh, usually a pre-election special, a post-election special. So today I wanted to do this year, I just wanted to kind of come in tackle everything on, um, on, on, actual, on the actual election day because there's a lot to uh, unpack. Um, I want to discuss um, a number of things today. I want to talk about the election. I want to talk about Trump. I want to talk about Biden. I want to talk about um, the recent shooting death of uh, Walter Wallace here in uh, Philadelphia, uh, where I'm from. I want to talk about um, just election voter fraud and uh, voter suppression. I want to talk about media ma- manipulation uh, propaganda. Um, I want to touch on the Ice Cube situation. I haven't been live since since that whole um, thing. I want to talk about the the contract with Black America. Um, I want to talk about the um, Joe Biden's plan, the Lift Every Voice plan. I want to talk about Trump's plan. Um, so I want to talk about a lot of that stuff, man. I want to talk about Halloween a little bit. You know, it's it's so much, man. I might have to come back live more, man, because it's just it's too much to talk about. So. Um, let me jump right into it, man. Uh, today's show, guys, sponsored by TRC Life Coaching, TRC Auto Sales. Um, you guys can listen to all past shows uh, on uh, iHeartRadio, iTunes, com. I'm also uh, broadcasting live on uh, Facebook as well. So let's let's jump right into it. Um, you know, like I said, shout out to you guys listening on uh, on Facebook and. Um, feel free to leave comments and share the video. Also, um, to, uh, turn on post notifications uh, so you know you know you can keep up to date when uh, when these shows are. Um, also, I want to just direct you guys back to if you missed it, my my last live broadcast on uh, stand back and stand by. Uh, that was the title of it, where I discussed Trump's comments uh, during the last debate about um, you know what. Many people are saying kind of empowered uh, racists and, and just that whole uh, situation. So if you missed that show, which a lot of people are, um, you know, calling one of the more uh, informative and realer shows that I've done in quite some time, check it out uh, at datontobershow.com. Like I said, before I jump into the voting and election, can I just touch on, you know, like I said, we, we have a, a, a lot of people out here who, and it's it's weird because, I feel like every year people get more and more excited, you know, about Halloween. And and not to not to, you know, go on a whole big thing about it, um, but the reality is, you know, we call it a holiday, um, and it's not a holiday. It's and, and to be honest, it's not even something that Christians should be celebrating or should be participating in, let alone, 
you know, celebrating. And so, and, and over the years, I kind of, I've, I've done entire shows, you know, on the reasons for that, biblical reasons uh, for that. Check it out, you know, check them out if, you, if you've missed them. But just, you know, one thing that I found interesting, though, this year was, you know, we, we see a lot of people with these elaborate costumes on, right? And it's just like, you know, really and well thought out, expensive costumes. It's like, oh, but when it comes to going to church, when it comes to, you know, doing things, you know, from a, a church standpoint or a spiritual perspective, you know, people are like, oh, I don't have any money or I don't have anything to wear, but people are actually going out, you know, and spending hundreds and sometimes thousands of dollars on, on um, Halloween costumes. And I just found that to be interesting. Um, something else along those lines that I found interesting is that we, we as um, people a lot of times put so much emphasis and faith and stock in in horoscopes and astrology, but it's like, yo, wh- what does the Bible say about your situation? What does the Bible say about your life? And, and, and the reason why I'm touching on these things today of all days is because whether it's, you know, Halloween, whether it's horoscopes, whether it's politics, we a lot of times have a tendency to do what's what's cool, what's popular, and to focus on those things, not focusing on things that we stand for spiritually. And then we have the audacity to wonder or to ask God or to be mad at God about why are we not getting blessed? You know, why is my situation not changing? Why is my situation not improving? You know, we have thousands and millions of people who are going to the polls to vote for a racist, right? I mean, that's the, that's the reality of it. And I'm not even talking about Donald Trump, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But that's, you know, that's the kind of um, manipulation that the media does. It, it, it lulls you into this, this mode of foregoing your spiritual beliefs and focusing on what's cool, what's going to get you likes. You know, we have, Donald Trump, okay, yeah, he's a racist, absolutely. Joe Biden is a racist. But we are, and, and it's like, I'm fine with that because we've always had racist presidents, you know. That's been I grew up through several presidents, so we've always had racism in the White House. But the question is, when did we stop acknowledging it as that? You know, this is probably one of the first years where it's like, like, like for example, when you know if, if Bush was running against you know whoever, or or Obama was running against you know McCain or whatever the case is, Mitt Romney. It was like, okay, we knew what it was, whereas now there's like this blurred line. You know what I mean? It's, this, it's because of Trump, and that's, but that's, that's, what it, that's what Trump is, represents. He's a distraction from the truth. He's, in a distra- he's a distraction from the agenda. You know what I mean? Because Trump is this racist, we forget 45 years of Joe Biden's racism and racist policies. You know, and we as consumers, as Americans, are being duped into forgetting all of those things. You know, and I'm fine with it. You know, like I said, I want to talk about um, some election stuff, but I just wanted to start out with that because don't allow, and I say this all the time on a number of different subjects, don't allow the media to dictate your level of passion for a particular person or a particular issue. Let your spiritual convictions dictate that. If you're passionate about abortion, if you're passionate about Jesus Christ, you know what I'm saying? It shouldn't matter what the media says. It shouldn't matter what Donald Trump says. It shouldn't matter what they want you to believe and, and manipulate and brainwash you into thinking. 
Those things don't matter. What matters is what you think. So that's just kind of what I wanted to start out with. Let, let's let's I'm gonna jump into some. Let's talk about Donald Trump. Let's talk about Joe Biden. Let's talk about this electoral process. And I, I I'm gonna start it off with this. And I put this on my Facebook page last night. I said, FYI, you're blessed if Donald Trump wins the office of the presidency. You're blessed if that happens, right? I said, but guess what? You're also blessed if Joe Biden wins. That You're, you're absolutely blessed if Joe Biden wins. You're still blessed. If Donald Trump is your president for the next four years, you're still blessed. The reality is it doesn't matter who wins because guess what? You're still blessed. I said that politics should not dictate your level of happiness. I don't I mean for those of you who know me or know anything about me, a lot of you guys are in the Friends of the Day Don Tolbert Show group, you see me posting on Facebook, some of you know me in real life. Like I'm actually a pretty happy person. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm a very jokey person. I like to make jokes. I like to have fun. You know, I'm generally in a good mood. I'm an extremely optimistic person. Um, I'm, I'm always going to see the glasses half full as opposed to half empty, no matter what. And that's just how I am. And I, it's, So it's somewhat frustrating when I scroll through my, my news feed, my timeline, and it's just like everybody is negative. You know what I'm saying? There's like all this pessimism, all this depression, all this anxiety, all these things that are direct contradictions to what the Bible says that we as Christians should should be and how we should, you know, carry ourselves and conduct ourselves regardless of what's going on on the news or in politics or whatever. You know, and so I just want to start with that. I, because if you turn on CNN, if you turn on, it's like they they have an agenda of pushing war, an agenda of pushing fear, and an agenda of pushing death. Every five minutes, you're talking about how many deaths from coronavirus. You know what I mean? And it's like, y'all don't understand that, I mean, some do, but that's big business. That's ad dollars. That's sponsorships, advertising. This is a billion and trillion dollar industry. So when they have your attention, then they can capitalize off of that because you're watching not only, you know, the the news, the fake news, but you're also watching the commercials. You're also then going and buying products. So when somebody puts Trayvon Martin front and front and center on, on CNN, or the new the latest tragedy Walter Wallace front page on CNN, you're not only tuned in to see the race war that they're inciting but you're also buying the products that come five minutes after that when the commercial comes on. And that's big, big, big business. And you have to understand that. That's not, that, that is by design. It's not by accident. And so that leads me to my next point is that people need to understand, generally speaking, as you go to the polls, many of you have already voted, great, congratulations. But you have to understand that no matter who you vote for, no matter what you do, we have a fraudulent and corrupt political system, okay? A- again, a fraudulent and corrupt political system where votes, endorsements, and ultimately the presidency can be bought 
Now, who, who buys this stuff? Well, lobbyists, billionaires, corporations. You know what I mean? Like these, these, this is real stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like this is not something I'm making up. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is something that everyone should know. This is something that hopefully you were taught in school to understand how the political system works. Your vote, your vote is just a small piece of this political, this fraudulent and corrupt political process. Nobody's talking about the lobbyists. Nobody's talking about the billionaires, the, the, the super PACs, the corporations. You know, the fact that Barack Obama and Joe Biden and even Clinton, you know, have have the 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 records for the most corporate donations in American presidential history. Those that that money is not free. That money doesn't just that money is for favors. That that those that money is for legislation. You know, so when you you know watch these debates and now and in the future and just going forward, understand that. You know, pay attention to who's financing their own campaign. Pay attention to where a lot of this campaign, like when they say, oh, Joe Biden outraised Trump three to one. You know what I'm saying? He out, you know, outfunded him. And, you know, well, okay, I, I'm sure he did. You know what I'm saying? Like, where did that money come from, though? You know, well, how many billionaires, how many corporations? And so these are things that we have to understand, you know, going into it. Don't go, and it's fine, don't, but just don't go into it blindly. We have a corrupt and fraudulent political system. I mean, and I hate to say it, where your vote, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter, but it, it's not as much, it doesn't matter as much as you think it does. And I'm going to kind of elaborate on why that is. You know what I mean? We, we talk a lot about the electoral process, you know, the electoral college, that, 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 that a process of, you know, voting and the number of votes for that state are going to ultimately, supposedly determine how the electoral college, you know, cast their vote for what political uh, candidate, right? But as we saw, you know, in previous elections, that isn't—they're not guaranteed to vote in the in the best in the will of the people. You know, it's very possible to lose the popular vote, you know, but still win the electoral college and ultimately win the presidency. So, so a lot of people are saying that we need to do away with that process. That, and it's weird. People say, well, we need, they need to change that. They need to change that. Y'all sound crazy saying that that needs to change. And I'm, I'm, let me just preface why I, why I say it sounds crazy to say that. It sounds crazy to say that that needs to change because it's only in place for the rich and powerful to keep their power. You can't have a corrupt and fraudulent political process without having systems in place and infrastructure in place that ensures that your corruption will be able to be carried out. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't, doesn't make sense. It's kind of like if you go to a casino and you have a plan of counting cars to defraud the, the casino out of, you know, money. Well, that's, that's your plan, but you still got to know how to count cards. You got to be good at math. You got to, you know, have good eyes. You got to have, you know, got to be smart to a certain extent. You know, you can't have one without the other. So they're not going to change a system that's designed for them to defraud the system, defraud the American people. You you know what I'm saying? It just doesn't, doesn't make sense. 
You know what I'm saying? It doesn't. It, it's not logical. The system is. See, what you have to understand: the system is there. The electoral college is there to ensure that their will, the will of that top one percent, it will always be a, a, above the will of the people. You know what I'm saying? And that's how they ensure that. That's well. That's one of the ways. The mainstream media is another way. The manipulation is another way. Like the corporate doubt. Like, but it's it's all one big fraudulent and corrupt process or system. Now, how do we know this? Because you have to actually listen to what the people in the system are saying. As I've said before, Bernie Sanders has said that we have a corrupt and fraudulent system. Someone who's been a life lifelong politician in Washington has said we have a corrupt and fraudulent system. Donald Trump, who has been a lifelong businessman who has done all types of deals with politicians, as he's admitted to doing when he was in the private sector. You know, so that's it. You have it from a political standpoint. You have it from a business standpoint. You know, Obama, the Clinton, like everyone says it, but it's like, and all the politicians know it. But for whatever reason, we're the only people sitting at home like, oh, my gosh, we got to go vote. We got to go vote. We got to go vote. Your vote matters. Your vote matters. Like this and that. Voter dot. It's like, yo, everyone is telling you the system is fake. The system is corrupt. You know what I'm saying? They're telling you this. They're not hiding it. But we are the only people sitting around like, oh, okay, sure. Go out and vote. Listen, I'm not saying don't vote. But just know what it is. You know what I'm saying? It's ridiculous. It's like, ladies, I don't care. I talk a lot about relationships and dating. I'm fine. Like, if you know, if you want to have sex with somebody, that's fine. But just know that he's having sex with somebody else. Like, don't don't be naive about it. If you choose to deal with a married man, all right, fine. But don't be delusional. It is what it is. You know, know what it is. Know what the system is in which you're you're know the game that you're playing. You know, that's all I'm saying. Um, let, let's say that, let me say this also. I want people to be very clear because we see a lot of, and it's, it's, it's this way every year, every year, every specifically every four years. But the reality is nobody really cares who you vote. You know, first of all, nobody cares who you vote for. Nobody cares if you vote. And I say this all the time. But we, it's always like everybody's encouraging people to go vote. You get the text messages. You get the phone calls. We get everybody on social media, oh, this and that. This person died for this. This person died for that. And, you know, so you got to go out and make sure your voice is heard and this and that. And it's like, stop being fake. You know what I mean? Just stop it. You don't care if somebody votes or not. And you don't care, you know what I mean, who someone votes for. Because let's be honest about it. If somebody says, yeah, I'm voting, hey, you voting today, you voting today, you voting today, yeah, I'm voting today, MAGA 2020, you're not going to want that person to vote. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're going to tell them, in fact, you're probably going to want to fight them. You're going to want to tell them to stay their ass at home. You know, you're not going to want to have anything to do with that person if you are a liberal. So, I mean, and that's fine, but don't be fake about it. Don't sit there and be like, oh, did you vote today? Did you vote? Because the, the, you asking that question at the end of the day, is assuming that that person is voting the way you are voting and how you want them to vote. So just be honest about it. Hey, you know, just say, hey, I voted. Cool. You know what I mean? Like, let's let's not, I, I'm just not with all the fake stuff. You know, in fact, I said on Facebook, I said, stop worrying 
about who supports who politically. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. You know, we have friends, you know, family, coworkers. People are having fallouts and fights. I've read someone got killed over some election stuff. And it's just like, yo, who cares? You know, it doesn't matter who someone supports. So you're a Trump supporter. You're, you're this. You're, nobody says, oh, you're a Biden supporter. Like, who cares what kind of supporter they are? That's their, that is their right. That is their decision. I said, stop worrying about who someone supports politically and worry about supporting your kids' schoolwork virtually. Let's focus on that. We got kids working at home, you know, cussing at teachers, pulling their shirts up on camera on these virtual sessions. It's like, yo, where are the parents at? Y'all up there, up there on Facebook, and the kids struggling to get their uh, get to answer questions when they get called on by the teachers. You know, they're missing class, attendance. How's your attendance bad? You ain't even got to leave the house. You know, we gotta we have a serious parental problem in this country, and we focus more on the president and what he's doing than we do on actual parents who ain't doing a damn thing for their kids. We got kids out here rioting and looting and tearing the city up. But y'all want to worry about what Trump is doing? It's ridiculous. And that's not to say that we should not hold uh, politicians accountable for doing their job, because we should. But at the same time, let's also hold parents accountable for doing not doing or not doing their job with these kids. We want to talk about and complain about oh how bad the school systems are. The public schools are so bad. These kids don't have proper funding. But you got a, you got internet at your house though, right? You got books at your house. You can buy books. Where where is your accountability and responsibility? You can't put everything on the school system. If the school that you go to or your kids go to is not, you know, uh, providing adequate schooling for your children, then you do it yourself. See, my my parents and, and, and extended family, they started a school in Philadelphia because they were not happy with the, the quality of schools in Philadelphia. And they started one of the first uh, independent schools in this area, all-black schools. And the teachers were, were my father and my aunts and uncles, mamas and babas. That's what we started. So it's like, don't talk about it. Actually do something about it. And I'm not saying, and people, here's the thing. People, people want to criticize people like Dr. Umar Johnson, who I had on the show a few years ago for a classic interview. Check it out if you guys missed it. But people want to criticize people like him for saying, hey, I am not happy or satisfied with the quality of these schools. So I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to start my own school. I'm going to raise funding. I'm going to, you know, hire quality teachers, and I'm going to start my own school. That's what we should be doing. We have become such haters. You know, we don't want to, we want to talk, we want to complain. But when it comes to supporting people who are actually working to change the things that we're complaining about, and then taking steps to work with those people, we criticize them. You know what I'm saying? And I want to talk today about Ice Cube because that kind of goes directly, speaks directly to that. How it's 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 literally sickening to my it, it sickens me to my stomach to see and to have watched how we as a community 
turned our backs on Ice Cube for doing what, at the end of the day, we all claim that we want, which is change. You know, it's it's it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's probably one of the more ridiculous things I've ever seen in my life, you know, uh, politically. You know, because the reality is everybody is really content with how the, how things are. People will complain and complain and complain, but when it comes to actually doing something, nothing. So I want to talk about that in a little bit, but let me let me say this also too. We have to understand. I don't care if it's Facebook, I don't care if it's Instagram, I don't care if it's on your podcast. Shout out to all these different podcasts. You're listening to the original Urban Podcast. Be clear about that. But all these podcasts and all these opinions, that's great. But I need you to understand that it's perfectly fine to have your own opinion on politics or anything else. And I said this on Facebook. And I said that if people unfriend you, if people block you, if people cuss you out, you know, solely because your opinion is different from theirs, then they were not your friend to begin with. Because what we have here is we have a a bunch of fake Facebook friends out here. We have a bunch of fake social media followers. And if I could, let me just, I want to just define how I feel what, you know, social media should be. Because I don't get it, man. Like, I do not get how some of you guys do it. What I mean by that is you have all of these, like, you'll put out a status on your Facebook page, you know, a subliminal status at that, but it's to some someone specifically or a group of people that you know you don't like, right, <laughs> you know, who don't like you, who have drastically different views from you on important topics, and it's just like you even say things, like people will actually say things like, if you voted for Donald Trump, just go ahead and unfriend me now. Or if you this or you that, just, you know, F you. It's like, first of all, one, why are they there to begin with? Two, why, if that's how you feel, you know, like why are they following you to begin with if they hate you so much or they feel they don't like how you feel about particular issues? But if, if, it, if you feel the same way about them, why are they there? Why do you have them there? Why do you allow them to remain there? Because I don't do that. I, and this is how, and I'm just going to say how I like to manage my social media presence. If I don't like you, and if I know that you don't like me, it's because, guys, got it it's fine to disagree. You know what I mean? It's fine to disagree with people. It's fine to debate and have varying opinions. Like, I love to debate. Those of you who know me, I love to debate. So it's not about disagreements. It's not about debating. But it's like at the end of the day, the debate and the disagreement should ultimately be to uplift you and for you to uplift them. But if you have people who you genuinely at your core don't like and you know you have people who genuinely at their core don't like you, get them out of there because that's a fake Facebook friend. That's a fake follower. That's someone, even if you don't have to be friends with everybody, but you should at least have people who support you. Like, for example, if I have an anniversary or if my child, my daughter may have a dance recital or my son has a basketball game or whatever the case is, you know, and you don't feel, this is for anybody, 
and you don't feel like you would like to support that or acknowledge that or say happy birthday or say whatever the case is, congratulations to whatever's going on, but you will come on and debate or argue about something politically related, oh, you can just delete yourself right now or I'll do it for you. You know what I mean? Because that is like, that. those are the types of things that really irk my soul. You know, that's the definition of fakeness. And so I would just encourage everyone, you know, you know, manage your social media because let's be honest, we all spend a number of hours out of the day on social media in some capacity, whether it's in different groups, whether it's just on your own, you know, news feed, commenting on other people's page, different things. So, and, and what happens on social media will have a direct result and influence on your day-to-day level of happiness. You know, like me, I don't want to see someone complaining. And if you're somebody who just is a, has a, a, a very profane mouth, you know what I'm saying? I gotta, you got to go because I don't want to see that. You know what I'm saying? I don't want a lot of all that negativity in my spirit. I don't like negativity anywhere. And if I see it, that's why my group, if you guys notice, the Friends of the Data on Tolbert Show, Show group, it's a very small, you know, group. It's like, because that's where I like to have some really great debates and conversations and topics. But it's like there's no negativity ever. There's no profanity. There's no negativity. And that's just how I like it. Um, so, yeah, so just just think about that. So, like I said, I, I want to talk about um, a little bit about this whole um, Ice Cube thing because – um, this this whole political process is um, it's it's really affecting people, you know. It's really affecting people. I mean, I know people are contemplating suicide and have contemplated suicide um, just just around everything that's going on, you know, depression. Um, and going into the holidays, we really have to focus on our level of mental health because as much as it shouldn't be this way. What goes on politically is affecting us, you know. And I would and I would just throw this scripture out there from Romans eight thirty one, you know, which says, "What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us?" And I, like I said that's Romans eight thirty one. That's one of my favorite scriptures because, it, I mean, you know, it's self explanatory. But the reality is, no matter what's happening, no matter who has the problem with you or who has an agenda to harm you, you know, God is for you. Regardless who's president, regardless of Donald Trump's agenda, regardless of Joe Biden's agenda, if God is for us, who can be against us? And, and I, I don't see a lot of that, that, that sentiment being echoed throughout this political process. It's all about Trump, 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 Trump. It's like, well, what about Jesus? What about God? You know what I mean? Like, we talk about Trump more than we do God. What part of the game is that? Especially if you're a Christian. Just, I mean, really think about that. Scroll down your timeline and see how many, how much conversation there is about God. Zero. That's not right. So this is what I want to say. Let's let's really get into it. I believe, and this is just me personally. And I said this, like I said, check out my last special on Stand Back and Stand By, where I really talked about, you know, that those comments and the white supremacy. I spent a lot of time talking about white supremacy. But I believe that we have two races running for president, okay? Um, that's just what I – those are my personal thoughts. I believe – I do absolutely believe Joe Biden is a racist, and I do believe Donald Trump has is also a racist. 
um, and and has willingly and knowingly um, empowered um, a large section of white supremacists in this country. Um, and, and it's one thing that's, that's interesting, though, is that I'm not sure why people act like um, there are no racist Democrats. Have you guys ever noticed that? Because I don't hear people talking about it. But you let people tell it. All racists are Republicans. You know what I'm saying? And as if, you know, Hillary Clinton wasn't endorsed by the KKK when she ran against Barack Obama. You guys do realize that, right? Like, no one talks about People say, well, Donald Trump didn't denounce the, you know, the, the, the support of, of white supremacy. I mean, even though he has on many occasions, um, I have never heard Hillary Clinton do it, especially after that endorsement. You know what I'm saying? But that's neither here nor there. It, it just kind of goes, speaks directly to the bias of, of, of the media. But my question is, and this is a real question, why are so many people acting like Joe Biden is some type of savior? I get why you don't like Donald Trump. I understand the role the media has played, and I understand certain things that he said and how, you know, he's the lead story of every night and, and, you know, different things from the liberal media. I get all that. So I understand the backlash against Donald Trump. But the question that I have is why do people act like, specifically black people, act like Joe Biden is some type of savior? I mean, it's, it's I mean, and I even get why people acted like Barack Obama was some type of savior when he ran. I even get that. I didn't agree with it, you know what I'm saying, at all. But I understood it because he ran on a platform of change, right? He ran Barack Obama. I don't know if you guys remember this. The funny here's the funny thing, and a lot of people don't realize this. Barack Obama ran on, and so did Bill Clinton, actually, to be honest with you. But Barack Obama, even more so, if you go back and listen to some of his early campaign speeches, he ran on a a um, a platform that was largely based on changing and improving the immigration system. You know what I'm saying? You know, he, he – excuse me. Let me – it wasn't – I just shouldn't say I shouldn't say it that way. He, he basically ran on a platform of keeping illegal immigrants out of this country. Let me be more clear. That was Barack Obama's uh, plan, was to secure the borders, um, be more strict at the border, deport illegal aliens, and then he went on and did that. And, you know, going and deporting and separating more families than any president in the history of this country. You know, that's what he ran on, and that's what he did. That, these are facts. That's what he actually did. And so I understand, and he, he promised to do a number of things, like, you know, ending the war in the, in the Middle East and basically changing all of the things that we had been so passionate about over the last many years, racism, you know, coming off of the bushes, you know, changing that. It was like a, a, a platform of change. Right, and so I understand why people viewed him and had all this hope, you know, surrounding Obama. But that's not what we're seeing right here with Joe Biden, is it? I, you know what I mean. I don't think that's what anyone's seeing. I don't hear Joe Biden talking about changing anything. Not at all. Joe, see, guys, got to be very specific when we talk about this stuff because Joe Biden is not talking about changing the system, right? He's not talking about changing the system. 
What he's talking about is changing the president. He has ran a campaign that is solely based on – that's actually why I believe Joe Biden would lose, to be honest. I'll talk about that a little bit more. But he has not shown you what he plans on doing at all. And if you, if you think he has, let me know. But that's not been the basis of his, of his platform. The basis of Donald Trump is to combat – excuse me, the basis of Joe Biden – is to combat Donald Trump, right? It's to combat all of the things that Donald Trump has done over the four years. He's playing on the emotions of people that hate Donald Trump. That's the camp. That's Joe Biden's campaign. He even said as much on the on the Breakfast Club. He said specifically, "If you don't know who you want to vote for, then you ain't black." You know what I mean? That's basic. That's not saying. Watch this. That's not saying. Hey, vote for me because I plan on doing this. Oh, oh. Uh, I'm looking on Facebook. Uh, Avita. She asked. She said thoughts on Kamala Harris. You must be new, but yeah. Oh, I have. To, I, I will, uh, will uh, definitely voice my opinion on Kamala. Harris. Give me a minute. <laughs> I have it many times in the past, but uh, Joe Biden. And shout out to everybody listening on Facebook and like I said, iTunes, iHeartRadio, all shows, guys. Are archived everywhere where podcasts are heard. Um, check check out past shows uh, if you guys are unfamiliar with me. Also, turn on uh, notifications, follow me, all that good stuff. But Joe Biden has not done an effective job of selling the American people on why we should vote for him. It's not enough, and I've said this many times. It's not enough to say Donald Trump did this, Donald Trump did that. He said he was going to do this. He didn't do that. He's a racist. He's a you have to sell me on you. Don't tell me what he did. Tell me what you're going to do. What is Joe Biden going to do? You can't tell me if unless I vote for you, I ain't black. Charlotte, and it, it, it wasn't even the fact that he said that. It was the fact that he said it to Charlemagne in response to why Charlemagne asked him specifically, well, Joe, why should we vote for you? Why should the black people, why should, why should the black community vote for you? Instead of going through all of the things that Ice Cube has mentioned, all of the things that he has actually put in the Lift Every Voice plan, a lot of things that are in the Platinum plan, instead of actually taking time to, to speak directly to the black agenda, Joe Biden says, well, look, in, a, in the most condescending way or in tone I've ever heard in my life, he said, well, look, Charlamagne, if you don't know if you're voting for me, you, you ain't black, which is, you know, I can't speak directly you know, enough about how insulting and, and, you know, that was. And so that's just the question I have. Why are people acting like Joe Biden is some type of savior? I have no problem with you voting for Joe Biden. I don't. I have no problem with people voting for Donald Trump. You vote for who you vote for. I don't care who you vote for. And hopefully you don't care who I vote for, to be honest with you. Because it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what you do. You do what you do. You know? But the reality is we have a liberal mainstream media. You know, the, we have a, it's not a conservative media. The, me, the mainstream media that we see everywhere, you know, we turn on the, the, the radio, the TV, it's liberal. And so we have a liberal mainstream media that only focuses on the positives of Joe Biden and the negatives of Donald Trump. You guys do realize that, right? I hope there's no one out here that thinks that the media is not biased. 
for those of you who know me, the mains, the corruption and the bias of the media is my number one passion. Some people get fired up about race. Other people get fired up about, you know, different things. Me, I get fired up about the corruption of, of the mainstream media and the bias of main, that's so, so in doing that, I, you know, I know that a lot of my views, people say, well, you're, you must, you criticize the liberal media all the time. So that must make you a Trump supporter. Newsflash. Criticizing one party doesn't make you a supporter of the other party. You, you, you guys do realize that, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you, I hope, hopefully you guys understand that. But that's what burns me up is when you have a, a media, you know, various forms of media that only focus on one side. Let me give you a few examples of what I'm talking about. You have the positives of Joe Biden and all the negatives of Trump. And ironically, you really don't even talk hear people talking about the positives of Joe Biden. You just hear people talking about Joe Biden in response to the negatives of Trump. You know, you, he, you see a lot of ignoring of Joe Biden's history of racist comments um, and inappropriate conduct over the last 45 years. I don't hear anyone talking about that. It's all ignored. All his racist comments, I mean, and there, are, there are quite a few, actually, quite a few racist policies and legislation that he supported that is obviously racist, you know, crime bill and things like that. You know, all, it's all well documented, you know, the segregation of the busing and situations like that. But these are things that no one really focuses on or even talks about. That's, and and I'm, like I said, I'm fine with having the conversation from both, both sides we can talk about, we can have the debate, okay, is Donald Trump a racist? Okay, why do you say that? Okay, we can talk, you know, he said this, he did that. We can have that debate. But if you're going to have that debate, you've also got to have the same debate for his opponent. It, it can't be one-sided. That's all I'm saying. If you're going to talk about the positives of Joe Biden, you've got to talk about some positives of Trump. That's See, that's how it's supposed to be when you have a non-biased mainstream media. Well, if we had a, a, a non-biased mainstream media, but which we don't, but you can't, it can't be one-sided. Well, and, and there are actually people who, are, who have said, well, name, name one good thing Donald Trump has done for the black community. And it's just like, yo. I mean, it's, if, if that, I don't even want to have that conversation because the thing about it is if we have to have that conversation, that means you have allowed yourselves to be influenced by the media bias. And I want to just point out one thing. And I don't, like I said, I'm not here to advocate for Donald Trump, but I'm more so here to prove a particular point about the corruption and bias of the mainstream media. And I just want to ask you guys, a lot of you guys, we know about the whole unemployment situation, right? You know, a lot, millions and millions of people are collecting unemployment. You know, millions of people are collecting specifically the PUA unemployment, the pandemic unemployment assistance, right? For those of you who aren't familiar, you know, if you are a gig worker, as they call it, an Uber driver, a Lyft driver, a, um, you know, a barber, some type of self-employed job where you may not or would not normally be approved for unemployment, you were eligible for the PUA assistance. And you would get, depending on how much money you made, you were approved for, let's just say, $500 a week, Right. And then with the with the stimulus, 
uh, the CARES Act that was passed last year, you were also, you got a stimulus amount of an extra $600 a week. So I know many people who were getting, you know, $1,000 a week, $1,200 a week, which is, let's be honest, more money than a lot of people have ever made in their life. You know what I mean? And they were getting this. Some are still getting it. But so they cut off, watch this, they cut off the extra, the six ended in July, right? But there were there are still people out here getting $500 and $600 a week for sitting at home and doing nothing right now, right? So what happened is once that ended, and if you guys are, sorry if you guys are, have been following this, this is just, you guys already know this, but for the people who don't know this, which because the media isn't going to tell you this, and I literally don't hear anyone talking about this. You might have heard it talked about for one day, and after that, nothing. They didn't, ironically, they didn't even talk about it during the debate. But a lot of people getting this, this PUA are in the black community, are you know, p- people suffering from po- severe poverty. So they were living and, and excelling and thriving off that, or some even just surviving off that $1,200 a week, let's say. But once that six got cut off, that left, and a lot of people weren't even getting six. Some were only getting the minimum, which was $200 a week. And so Congress, they talked, the Senate and the House were trying to pass the next stimulus package. But that obviously, as we know, hit an impasse, and they they have not passed that stimulus. So there is no more 600 a week. Some people are only living off of $200 a week, some living off of the max in Pennsylvania is $570 a week. So in order to get that to kind of replace that 600 Donald Trump said, look, if you guys in Congress cannot get it together, I am going to take and pass and use my executive action and executive order to allot federal funds to replace that $600. It wasn't it ended up not being 600, but it ended up being $300 extra. So instead of the just the $500 a week or the $200 a week, now people went back to getting, let's say, you know, back to $500 a week or some $800 a week. You know, and that would that was not through Congress, that was not the House, the, the Senate. That was solely because of what Donald Trump um, you know, did. And me living where I live and working where I work and doing what I do, I know a lot of people that that extra $300 a week that was made possible, you know, from Trump in in the hood, that was like the difference between getting evicted and not getting evicted. That was the difference between eating or not eating because that other money that they were getting, that had to go to, you know, other stuff. So I'm just saying that that is something specific. Now watch this. That was, in my opinion, something specific that directly, and I don't see directly how it benefits the black community. But let me just say this. A lot of people, and I've never, I have not seen this anywhere on the news. I just want to say this because this is important. So in a, that 300, that extra three, that ran out. That lasted for about three or four weeks, right? So then after that, it went back down to the people making $200 a week. It went back down to that, you know? And so they were back in that, you know what I mean? That three was nice for a couple of weeks, but it ended because the funding you know, ran out. Another legislation was passed that extend gave an additional 13 weeks nationally of unemployment, of PUA unemployment benefits. 
So if, you know, let's say you had a maximum amount, but first of all, all PUA, and I just want to break this down briefly. The PUA program ends for everybody on December 26th, as it stands. But if you, there were people, there are a lot of people who were set to exhaust their maximum amount of money in, let's say, mid-October or early November. It was just going to run out. It, was, it wasn't the, the, the December 26th was the maximum amount of it. But a lot of people are going to run out, were set to run out October, early November. Very few people were going to get that money all the way up until December. There was a, a legislation that was passed that, inclu- that basically made it so that everybody who's getting PUA unemployment is going to get it until December 26th, until the end of the year. And that is actually amazing. That right there, because you, what we're saying is that all those people getting that PUA money, and I know y'all know, some of, there's a lot of y'all, y'all know exactly, I'm speaking to people, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about, because y'all are getting that money. Y'all have gotten them. You know what I mean? People act like they don't know what I'm talking about. But nobody's talking about that. Nobody's talking about this free money that people have, people have been complaining and complaining and complaining, but are benefiting from the government more so than they ever had, and myself included. I'm not going to sit there and act like I have profited financially over these last four years in a way that I have never profited in my life. And many of you, whether it's investments, whether it's business, you know, and that's the same for many of you. So all I'm saying is let's just let's just not act like we are all so, you know, down and out and act like we're not, as I said earlier, blessed and have been blessed over these last, in general, but specifically over the last four years. That's all I'm saying. So let's 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 move forward. Like I said, I, I want people to understand that whatever happens tonight and over the next week or so until we really know who's going to be president, we should brace ourselves for, you know, a very bumpy ride. You know what I mean? And I'm talking about the stand back and stand by. Because I mean I can't we can't ignore what Trump said, and that's the, and I said a lot of this on my last show. A lot of that basically that statement empowered a bunch of people. If he loses, oh man, you know we're talking about you know white supremacy. We're talking about militias. We're talking about all types of stuff, you know. And if he wins, well we saw what happened last time when he won, riots and protests. And, you know, so these are all things that are going to happen. So I would just say this, you know, um, get your guns, you know. Um, it's sad that we have to say it like that, but uh, get your guns, get your gun permits, and, um, you know, protect yourselves, protect your family, because it's about to get crazy out here. And get rid of all fake Facebook friends, because, like I said, I'm specifically, you know, and deliberately not participating in certain conversations because I have no desire to um, engage certain negative individuals, depressed individuals, you know, over my opinions. You know what I mean? So I would encourage you to do the same. If somebody wants to be in this depressed state, you know what I mean, and not focus on being blessed and focus on what's going on politically, then just kind of stay, keep your distance from those types of people because it's not, it's not going to benefit you. Let's talk a little bit about Ice Cube. I want to talk about Ice Cube. For a little bit um, Like I said earlier You know 
I mentioned that we oh let me let me let me well this will I, I didn't forget about Kamala Harris and my views on Kamala Harris. I wanna I'm gonna talk about that. Um but and it'll tie right into it. We we have so many people who talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, complain and complain and complain and complain and complain, but they actually do nothing. And I'm talking about they're not out here doing community service. They're not out here mentoring. They're not out here feeding the, the, the homeless. They're not cleaning up their neighborhoods. They're not doing anything but complaining. You know, and so, I mean, that's bad enough, right? That's that's bad enough. But on top of that, we have people who actively love and support clear and blatant negativity, like entertainers like Cardi B, like Nicki Minaj, like Megan Thee Stallion. You know, they they, they support these people and love these people. And I'm talking about when you guys know my views on Cardi B. I mean, she's a gangbanger, uh, active and, and open about her gang affiliation, you know, with the Bloods. Um, she's open about um, her history of scamming men and, um, you know, married men and, you know, all just, you know, pro- advocating prostitution, um, paying for sex, you know, allow, allowing men to pay for sex. It, and that's become the new wave, the new trend. You know of of young hip hop artists, specifically young female uh, hip hop artists like Megan Thee Stallion, like the City Girls, um, and it's just it's negativity. It's it's horrible. It's a negative influence to our young black queens. Um, it's it's horrible on all on all levels. It's horrible, and we have women and men who support this, right? They support this now. And, and you support who you support, you love who you love, whatever. And Kamala Harris is right in that category. You know, one of the reasons why I have no respect for Kamala Harris is because um, uh, because of her support as a black woman for Cardi B. They asked her on The Breakfast Club, hey, how do you feel about, you know, Cardi B, who, you know, does all these things. She's a gang member, gang banger. She raps about prostitution, uh, not respecting yourself not respecting your body, profanity, ghetto, loud, obnoxious. This is someone who is probably the the worst possible example of a black woman I've ever seen in my life. And they, when they asked her about that, she said, oh, I love Cardi B. Oh, she's, I, th- I just think she's great. I just think Cardi B is amazing. Amazing? She's great. What's great about prostitution? What's great about being a gangbanger? What's great about her? Play, someone please tell me one thing that's great about Cardi B. It's ridiculous. You know what I mean? And so, I mean, that's just one of many um, issues. That's the main issue. But I think that people say, oh, well, it's just entertainment. It doesn't matter. No, it does matter. You know why it matters? Because the same way Barack Obama inspired a generation of young of black people, but specifically young black men, that you can do anything. You can be president of the United States. You can do great things in this in your life, the way he inspired those people, Kamala Harris is doing the same thing for young black women. So when you have someone that as a young girl that you look up to, if she becomes president, which I wouldn't be surprised if she did one day, sooner maybe sooner than we think, 
when you are inspiring and influencing all these young girls, you have to be very deliberate with who you support, what you support, what you say. And so when she, it's kind of like why I have such an issue with Beyonce. When you put a stamp of, of approval, you know, on Cardi B, coming from Kamala Harris, what does that say to the six-year-olds, the seven-year-olds, who now, because they look up to Kamala Harris, also look up to Cardi B? Oh, she, it's okay. Kamala Harris loves her. Cardi B, I mean, uh, Kamala Harris says she's great, so she must be great. It's ridiculous. Guess what, guys? She ain't great. And Kamala Harris is irresponsible for saying that she is. And anyone who thinks otherwise is part of the problem. Because we need a generation, just like we have the mainstream media that's uplifting a Cardi B as a, in, a, in this position of influence and power, we need a generation of parents to step up and say, no, she's not great. No, you should not be selling your body. You should not uh, be you know, requiring men to buy you a Birkin bag for sex, which is ridiculous. What's the chick, sweetie? So when you said if, if a man doesn't buy you a Birkin bag, then, then, then he should be thrown back to the streets? What, what is that saying? What, what message does that send to these young girls? That their vagina is only good enough for a Birkin bag? It's, 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 I mean, ridiculous isn't a strong enough word. But that's, to answer uh, your question from earlier, how do I feel about Kamala? That's how I feel about Kamala Harris. And anybody who has similar views, as Kamala Harris on that topic or other topics. But as I said, Ice Cube is someone who is in the entertainment industry, has, um, and, I, and I've, I've been very critical, and if you guys uh, checked out my special from a few years ago on um, Straight Outta Compton, which is one of my favorite shows that I've done, actually. Uh, check it out. Just Google Straight Outta Compton on the Data on Tolbert show. Um, and I did a, a really in-depth breakdown of, our community, our hood, um, the messages that NWA put out. And so I've been very critical of Ice Cube and NWA and, you know, music like that, gangster rap, over the years in, in regards to the effect that it has on our community, you know, whether it's black-on-black crime, violence, gangs, things like that. But I was very happy to see that this is someone who over the last several years has put his money where his mouth is, He's put his political voice or just his voice and made it applicable to politics. Um, and he said, hey, look, you know, I am someone who is advocating for our people. You know what I'm saying? It, and he said that our voice, our vote should not be taken for granted. It's fine if you want the black community to vote for you, Donald Trump or Joe Biden. But guess what? You're going to have to earn that vote. You're going to have to you gotta earn our vote. You gotta convince us why we need to not just assume, not just say, Oh, you ain't black if you don't vote. I'm not talking about that, but you actually have to earn our vote. So this is what Ice Cube did, for those of you who are unfamiliar. He said, I am creating a contract for black America. The con see, a contract is something that goes both ways. This is what you plan on doing for us, and in return, we will support you with our vote. But you can't have one without the other. You have to show us that you do have our best interest at heart. And in that plan, he detailed many things, and just a few of them, 
you know, things that he was looking, specific things he was looking for either the president to do, both presidential candidates to address in regards to police reform, criminal justice reform, funding for black businesses, and, and a number of other things, a number of uh, other initiatives. Now, he presented this contract for black America with or to uh, Donald Trump's campaign and also to uh, Joe Biden's campaign. Donald Trump's representatives, and this is from directly from Ice Cube's mouth. This is what his experience was. He, pre- he presented to Donald Trump, and Donald Trump said, or his people said, these are great things that we will we are on board with, and we will work with you to incorporate these ideas and these initiatives into our platform so that we can have your vote. That's what Ice Cube said the Donald Trump campaign, how he responded to Ice Cube's proposal in this contract. Ice Cube said that's exactly what he was looking for both candidates to do. What he said, he was his his response that he got from the Biden campaign was, okay, we see this stuff, but let's talk after the election. Let's, we're not really going to look into this right now, but let's, you know, once, once, once I'm in office, we'll take a look at this and maybe we can work together then. Ice Cube said, "Whoa, slow down there, buddy. That's it, that 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 defeats the whole purpose of the contract. The contract is not just for so we can work together. The contract is an exchange of our support as the black community. You know what I'm saying? It, our vote." For you doing this stuff So obviously that's like me saying Hey look um, You know I need you to paint my house You know hey hey, guy I need you to paint my house So can you paint my house Yeah I'll paint your house Alright cool how much how much do I need to pay you Well we'll, we'll talk about that afterwards I'll give you a price afterwards Well how are you going to give me a price afterwards I need to know the price before you do the work First of all I need to decide Depending on the price I might not even hire you you see where I'm going with that? You can't, we can't, it's too late to talk about what I want you to do for the black community after you're already in office because I might not even vote for you. Your platform might not even be worth my vote. And I think that's what we have to do. We have to get out of just Biden, 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 Biden. But what is Biden really going to do for us? You, for, not, you see what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> listen. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'll be honest with you guys. I kind of, like, the whole Nancy Pelosi, I have a big issue with the Republicans and how they're handling this whole uh, unemployment situation, this whole pandemic situation from a financial standpoint. And Nancy Pelosi, I have a lot of issues with her, but she's been kind of on point with saying with this stimulus money, like, look, no, this is a global pandemic, and these people need money. You know, I want to give, I want to pass a $3 trillion stimulus package to put this money directly into businesses that are suffering, you know, uh, people that are suffering. And she's been really fighting. She said, we're not going to accept you, 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 you Republicans, you know, uh, you know, measly proposal, you know. And so I kind of hope, you know, the, the, the Senate, Goes in the democratic way because we're about to get paid. 
You know, and so um, I've said on many occasions, though, I hope we never have a liberal president ever again because I hate the liberal agenda, whether it's the LGBT crap, transgender, transgender crap, gender reassignment, all this foolishness. I hate all that crap. So it's like I would, I'd be perfectly fine with having a conservative uh, administration. But I already know, you know what I mean? So we have to get out of this whole being set in our ways and focus on, hey, what are you going to do for me? You know what I'm saying? What What are you going to do? Like, I'm perfectly fine with uh, the Trump. Um, I'm glad. I want to be very clear. If I'm scared or I'm not intimidated by anybody or anything, I am ecstatic that Amy Coney Barrett was, was confirmed to the Supreme Court because I hope abortion becomes illegal. I am sick of specifically the black community using abortion as a form of contraception. You feel what I'm saying? I am, like, over the moon. I'm glad that hopefully we're going to see some reg- some legislation that uh, severely cuts down uh, the number of abortions in this country. That is the number one source of murder in, in this country and in, in the black community specifically is abortion. I mean, black babies are killed every day. So that's – and I, I'm not expecting people to feel how I feel. Some do. Others don't. That's fine. But what I'm saying is you should only be voting for your things that you're passionate about. Don't allow the media to dictate what you're passionate about. And this is what Ice Cube has done. Ice Cube has said, hey, these are things that I'm passionate. I'm going to use my platform. I'm going to use my voice to present these candidates with, with a contract. And so that's what he did. Guess what? Steve Harvey did the same thing. Steve Harvey said, look, I'm in Chicago. I'm based in Chicago. There's a serious problem with, with, uh, with, with murder and gang violence in the Chicago area. He approached Trump. Actually, actually, I'm not sure if he approached Trump. I think Trump approached him or his people and was like, yo, I'd like to work with you to, to significantly you know, cut down the violence. You know, in Chicago, what can we do? And, and Steve Harvey said, I remember he said this. He was like, sure, let's do it. He's like, I don't trust you. I don't necessarily like you. But you have an agenda of something that I'm passionate about. So let's work together for it. What you have to understand is there's nothing wrong with working with someone that you don't support for a common goal. You, you, you guys understand that, right? You can – I remember uh, T.I., yeah, he's kind of backed off this in the last year or so. But I remember several years ago, they really about four years ago, they asked him. They were like, T.I., so you're very outspoken in the black community. You know, um, you've been known as an activist on, on many issues. You know, would, how, would you be open to sitting down with the president, whoever that is, if it's Trump, would you be open to sitting down with him to work on some of those issues that you're passionate about? Would there be a fear that you would be, you know, called a coon or a sellout for working with him on some of these issues. He said, well, this, and I respect his answer. He said, actually, I kind of don't because he kind of straddled the fence. He said that he would he would be open to meeting, but he wouldn't go there alone. That's what he said. He said he would take some people that are smarter than him, like Angela Rye or like Killer Mike or, you know, some of these other people that are much smarter and much more well-versed on certain topics to have that meeting. So he kind of dodged the question a little bit, but that's what I believe we need to do. We, 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 um, we cut off our nose despite our face 
when we refuse to work with people in power on issues that we're passionate about. These are issues that we're passionate about. I'm not asking people to be work on issues that, that Donald Trump is passionate about. I'm saying, hey, what issues do you stand for? Let's work on those issues with people that have the power to make a change. I want to say, this is funny. I remember um, years ago, well, four years ago, or actually a couple years ago, midway through his term, Trump was, he's, he was freeing all these, um, all these African Americans um, that were, you know, imprisoned for nonviolent acts. And I think 70% of the people that he freed, you know, were blacks. And um, he said, he was like, all these protests, oh, no, this is, I'm sorry, this, it was when they were uh, taking a knee. It was around the whole Colin Kaepernick thing. And he said, look, everyone who takes a knee to protest police brutality, send me the, he said, don't just take a knee. He said, that's fine. He said, but send me the name of someone that you think I should look at to see if they should be released or, you know what I mean, granted clemency. He said, no one did it. He said, none of those football players that took a knee took him up on that offer. And, and you know what I mean? Like, how much sense does that make? You're taking a knee to protest injustice, right? To protest police brutality, criminal justice reform. But in so instead of actually sending names of people who were victims of injustice that are currently imprisoned, that Trump is saying, hey, I'd like to take a look at it. I'm probably going to let them out, even if it's just to show you, you guys, I'm, I'm not racist or whatever it is. We don't, no one's saying you're genuine, Donald Trump, but he's just saying, just do it. That elderly woman, that, the black woman, the grandma that everyone's talking about, he released, she's been home with her family for a few years now. Why just take a knee? You see what I'm saying? We're cutting off our nose despite our face. So that that's so to call Ice Cube a coon, a sellout, you know, um, a puppet or being used by the Trump. It's ridiculous. How first of all, people who are using that term coon most most times have no idea what that term actually means, because you're not a coon for working with someone to bring uh, improvement to your environment. Being a coon, the definition of a coon, for those people who are um, uninformed and largely ignorant, it's not about having a different opinion from someone who's quote-unquote woke. That doesn't make you a coon. Being a coon is someone who is in cahoots with the master, who has an agenda or a shared agenda of oppressing are working to oppress our people. You are working along with the agenda of those in power to oppress us. That's what a coon is. That's a coonish agenda. Having your own opinion, you know, about the best way to empower our people to improve our community, that's not being a coon. It's just having a different opinion. It's, uh, it's about having a different perspective. Most people are ignorant when it comes to that term. They think that you're a coon just because you have your have your own opinion that might differ from the masses. It doesn't make you a coon. In fact, watch this. In fact, if you really break it down effectively, the real coons in most cases are the masses because the masses are being controlled by the mainstream media. 
and the mainstream media is being controlled by the government, and the government has an agenda to do the real oppressing. So if you really connect the dots, there are more coonish people in the masses that are being uh, manipulated by the system. The people, the small percentage of people that are thinking outside the box, chances are they're not the real coons. The masses are the coons. You know what I'm saying? They're the puppets. They're the pawns. But that's probably a little too complicated for most people to uh, get behind. But that's my thoughts on Ice Cube, man. I mean, like I said, he's for us. You know, he was the main one who led that that movement on after police, after cops, you know what I'm saying, the, the government and take a stand. And, you know, these are that was that era, you know, right after uh, Fight the Power and that whole thing. Like, Ice Cube is not a coup. If you want to criticize him, you know, criticize some of these movies he makes, you know what I'm saying? That's where the problem is. But, you know, you know criticize his acting. He's not a good actor. But don't criticize him because he comes up with a, 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 you know, a contract for with black America where you require a presidential candidate to earn your vote. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's what we should all be doing. I this, this is pure ignorance. This is pure ignorance I've heard from people. There are people, there are people who said, and this is amazing, I would never say something so stupid. They said, I don't care what Joe Biden does. I don't care what Joe Biden says. I don't care. He could go out and kill somebody. He could call us niggers. I've heard, I've heard all. They said, I don't care what he says or does. I'm still going to vote for him. I said, don't ever talk to me about politics again. That's like the most ignorant thing possible. Because that right there shows you're not approaching the situation from an objective standpoint. If somebody can say or do anything and you're still going to vote for them, that shows that you're an ignorant person. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's like saying somebody could come out right now and be like, F all black people, but you're still going to vote for them just because you hate Donald Trump. That's ignorant. So that, that's that's my thoughts on that. Um, you know, but continue to um, – I, I watched I watched Ice Cube on a number of um, interviews. I watched him on Roland Martin, who's a, who's a clown. Roland Martin is an absolute clown um, who's clearly biased and clearly approaches everything with, a, with an agenda. Um but a clearly liberal and biased agenda, just just like most people out here in the media. Um, but I watched that. I watched um, him on CNN um, where he was talking about, you know, with Chris Cuomo, uh, who's also a clown, uh, a biased clown. I mean, this is this. I, I mean, I just wish, and I've said this before many times. I wish we could go back to Peter Jennings. Tom Brokaw, um, Dan Rather, you know what I mean? Back in the day where I was growing up, where you could literally just turn on the news and listen to the news. There wasn't all this propaganda. There wasn't weren't all these opinions. But now it's just like it's it's so biased. NBC is biased. Fox News is biased. CNN is biased. MSNBC is biased. Like no matter what it is, it's biased. You know, and it's filled with fake news. So, I want to. Last thing I want to talk about today is uh, is the death of Walter Wallace Jr. 
You know what I mean? Um, and if you guys have been following me over the last 15 or so years, you've heard me talk about every tragedy um, that's that's happened, with the, whether it's po- every police-related shooting, death, um, whether it's Philando Castile, Mike Brown, Tamir Rice, Sandra Bland, Trayvon Martin, Alton Sterling. You know what I mean? Like, you guys have heard me discuss these in, in great detail for hours, every single one of them. So I would encourage, if, if you feel so inclined, to check out past shows, archive shows, iTunes, iHeartRadio, DatonTorbertShow.com. You know, just to kind of get a sense of, you know, my thoughts on some of those um, th- those tragedies, um, and, and not just the tragedies, but the the aftermath of those tragedies. Um, and today, I kind of want to do that um, again from from a similar perspective. So, Walter Wallace, for those of you who, and I'm from Philly, you know what I mean? Like I live in Philly, well, I live outside of Philly now, but I grew up in Philly, and um, you know, this was a situation in, uh, in West Philadelphia where um, there was a domestic situation um, with, with Wallace, you know, and he was running around outside. Police were called. Um, he was not – I mean, you kind of can get a sense for what happened, you know, from what happened in the video, but there was a knife involved. At the end of the day, they shot him. You know, they shot him, I think, a total of 14 times he was shot. Um, and so the debate has – well, first of all, there was outrage. You know what I mean? There was outrage uh, about this shooting and that it happened in general, which I think is part of the problem. But the fact that the debate became, well, first of all, should it have happened? How could it have it been done differently? And then, you know, ultimately, was it justified? And I think what people, I mean, people were asking, you know, how come he couldn't have been tased? And I just, you know, how come they couldn't have de-escalated the situation? Why were the police called, you know, to begin with? You know, it was said that he had mental issues and the mother called because um, of the mental issues and she wanted him, um, I guess, institutionalized or, you know, whatever, as opposed to, you know, arrested. But the police came. And this is what I want to say about it. First, the first thing, and I'll say this, like I say every time, this was a tragic situation. You know, just like any life that's lost is tragic. You know what I mean? People have this whole Black Lives Matter thing, which I think is stupid. And I've said many times I think it's stupid because, yes, black lives matter, just like Chinese lives matter, um, Japanese lives matter, Hispanic lives matter, um, the lives of the lives of police officers matter, homeless people's uh, lives matter. Um, everyone's life, according to the Bible, according to God, has value. This is not something that we need to put a a tag on. You know what I mean? All lives matter. Now, the reason why I titled this show America at War is because saying a statement that I just made that is biblical has become classified as racist. Let that sink in for a second. 
a statement, a biblical statement that says all lives are precious and have value, all lives matter, has become classified as a racist statement. That's how you know we're at war. Because, and the war is with the media brainwashing us to think that something that's biblical is something that's racist. Now, let me say this. I do acknowledge that a lot of racists and white supremacists have adopted that phrase, all lives matter, and given it a racist undertone because what they're doing is they're saying that black lives don't matter. And so to combat your Black Lives Matter movement, I'm going to say all lives matter to deflect the focus from that onto something else. Now, that in and of itself is racist. That when people who use it as a, a weapon of deflection, that's where it becomes racist. But the statement itself is not racist. It's actually biblical. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It is. All lives matter is not a racist statement. To say that all lives are precious in the sight of God and, and has value, you know, when you look back at Noah and the flood, God said, all lives have value, so I'm going to take two of every species and put them on the boat to preserve them, to preserve their legacy and give them a future. That's how valuable every life was, the snails, the, the rabbits, the dogs, the cats. Their lives had value. Everyone's life has value. And there are a million scriptures that speak directly to how God loves all of us equally and how all of our lives have value. So I just want to, from now on, can we just stop that? Can we stop this ridiculous banter about black lives matter or all lives matter? Guess what? Everyone's life is precious and has value. You know, Alton Sterling's life had value. Trayvon Martin's life had value. But guess what? The 300 people who were shot and killed in Philadelphia this year, their lives had value as well. Because the pro and I'll tell you this, the major problem that I have with Black Lives Matter in this movement is that it's not, it's only applicable to black lives that are taken at the hands of white police officers. You, you guys realize that, right? Because no one uses the term black lives matter to describe black on black crime. So the question then becomes, do black lives only matter when they're taken away by white police officers or do black lives matter in the hood? Do black lives matter when we're talking about gang violence, which has taken more lives, thousands more lives than police have ever or would ever be able to take? You, I mean, I'm just asking, you guys do realize that, right? Police, I want to be clear about this, because when you say certain things on social media, it gets twisted and people want to debate, but we have to be clear and concise with this thing. I hope people understand. It would be impossible physically impossible for police to kill more black men than black men have killed each other. You guys realize that, right? It, it would, it's physically impossible. It's, it can't happen. It's too many. 
we have we kill ourselves more than police kill us, right? I'm just asking questions. Am I saying something that's incorrect? Someone in the comments or somewhere listening around the world or whatever, let me know if I'm saying something that's incorrect. As a black man, I have more of a chance of being killed by someone who looks like myself than I do someone on the police force. The odds are greatly in favor of me being killed by someone that looks like me. So, but if I got killed by a police officer, I got pulled over last week. I tell you, I get pulled over all the time. I never have a problem. I'll talk about that in a little bit. I never have a problem. Not saying it can't happen. I'm just letting you know I get pulled over more than, I've gotten pulled over more than anyone listening to this, this broadcast. I'm confident. I can almost guarantee that. And I've never had a problem. So what I'm saying to you is if I get pulled over by a cop and I'm killed by a cop, People, I'm sure many of you will say Black Lives Matter, right? But if I get murdered, if I'm selling a call a car in the hood, would there be that same level of protest or outrage? Would people be saying Black Lives Matter if I'm killed in the? Hood? And I'm just asking. I'm not making. I'm actually asking. Would that be the case, or do Black Lives only matter when it happens? From police I think we all know the answer to that question And that's why I feel like It's ridiculous Because if black lives matter Then they should matter all the time I'm not, It's not an if, black lives do matter But that just kind of Solidifies the point that they have to matter Across the board, not just when we're talking about White racist police officers Okay, but let's take a look At uh, Walter Walter Wallace he was the police were called. He was waving a knife, and then I ultimately I don't know if he had the knife in his hand, but he was charging at police. And I think it's important when we talk about these situations to to understand the fact that police are trained in a particular way. Now, it, the way that police officers are trained is that way correct? Is it the best? No, it's not. Or that's that's kind of why we talk about police reform, criminal justice reform, because there needs to be significant change to police protocol, police training, uh, all types of things in regards to police. So, but the problem with it is, is that the way that the system is now, police are trained to react in a certain manner. People were saying, well, how come they couldn't have tased him? Well, there's a, first of all, they didn't have tasers. Okay, that's the first thing. All the city of Philadelphia and most most uh, police departments can't afford to equip all police officers with guns and tasers. So only particular, you know, police officers have tasers. From what I, what I understand is these police officers didn't have tasers. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, me personally, I have a license to carry. I carry a gun. You know what I mean? So if someone is charging at me or threatening me with a knife, I also have a taser. You know what I mean? My wife has a taser. But I'm not going to try to tase someone with a knife. You know, it just it doesn't really make sense to do that. I'm just being honest with you. If someone's charging at me with a knife, 
I hope you wouldn't either. I hope you would not try to tase someone who's charging at you at night. And the reason why I say that is because I was having a, a, a conversation, a debate with a good friend of mine. I, and he was saying the same thing. He said, Yo, they could have just tased him. I said, why would they tase him if he has a knife? What you mean? You, you can, you, uh, he's like, you can, you can incapacitate him with the taser, and then the, the situation is done. I said, you realize that people, all, tasers don't work on everybody, right? He's like, yes, they do. I said, no, they don't. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, if you just because you tase someone, that doesn't mean they're automatically going to fall to the ground and start shaking like you see on TV, or they're just going to drop the knife and just leave you alone. No, some people, I, I said, I've seen people who have been tased, and they just get enraged. They rip the taser out and charge at you even, even more. He's like, no they, no, they don't. That's never happened. I'm like, yes, it has. He's like, show me the video. I'm like, it's all over YouTube. He's like, show me. I'm like, so if I show you this video of people, someone getting tased, ripping the taser out and still charging him, you apologize. He's like, yeah, I apologize. I went, went on YouTube, pulled the, I just Googled, man, you know, doesn't drop after being tased. Long story short, pulled the video up, showed it to him. He's like, wow, that's crazy. He's like, all right, I apologize. You know, and so the point of that is tasers, one, they don't necessarily stop you all the time. Two, they're not reliable if you're going against somebody with a knife. It, it just doesn't make sense. So now, not only that, that's not how police are trained. Police are not trained to tase you if they're being attacked, attacked with, and their life is in danger. That's not what a taser is for. A taser is to de-escalate a particular situation before it gets to that point. But once you're in a life or death situation, they are trained to eliminate the threat, period. You are allowed legally and according to police protocol to kill someone, to use deadly force, lethal force, if you feel like your life is in danger. Okay? If someone's charging at you with a knife, that classifies, based on police protocol, as your life being in danger and giving you the legal right to use lethal force. Now, we can debate about whether or not that law needs to be changed and take the necessary steps to change that, but as it stands now, that's, the, that's police protocol. If you charge at a man, at a police officer, anything, if you charge at a Mike Brown, rest in peace, was charging at the police officer when he was shot. Ballistics evidence show that. They shot him in the head, in the top of the head, as he was charging police. This is a big man charging at police. They shot him and killed him. Walter Wallace was charging at police when they shot him. And I'm not saying that everyone who's charging or is killed by police is charging at police. I'm not saying that there are unjustifiable police killings out there. They're few and far between, but they do exist. And all I'm saying is this was not an unjustifiable shooting because he was charging at police with a knife. So, you know what I mean? Now, the question then becomes, should they have shot him 14 times? Well, my question is this. Does it really matter? Because as a police officer, you're trained to, to shoot, to target the center mass. We're not talking about marksmen. We're not talking about, you know, the wild, wild west where you can, you know, aim at the kneecap. You know, I go to the gun range. I got a pretty good shot. But if I'm shooting you or shooting at you, I'm shooting for your chest. I'm not shooting trying to hit your freaking ankle. I'm not going for your Achilles heel. I'm not, 
going for your kneecap. I'm just trying to eliminate the threat. I'm going right at the, the largest, the center mass. You know, and that's what police officers are trained to do. So I think we just have to understand that right or wrong, you can't charge at police. You know, right or wrong, you my mom, my mom, my dad always told me, if you are pulled over by a police officer, if you are detained by a police officer, unjustifiably, in that moment, that is not the time to argue. That is not the time to protest. That is not the time to make your case. Your job is to get home safely by any means necessary. And the problem is, and like I said, I get pulled over all the time, buying and selling cars. And because I was trained by my parents what to do, what not to do, I get pulled over. I never have a problem. Nor do I, I don't have a problem, nor am I ever afraid if I get pulled over. Not to say that something bad can't happen. I'm just saying if you understand what to do, it's kind of like if I get dropped off in the middle of the ocean. I'm not necessarily going to be afraid because I can swim. If you can't swim and you get thrown into the deep end, then, yeah, you should be afraid because you can't swim. You, can't, you, get, you see what I'm saying? But I know how to handle myself. We as parents are failing these kids because no one is telling them what to do and what not to do. My mom always told me, and she still tells me, you can be right, but you can also be dead. And unfortunately, a lot of these people were right. Trayvon Martin was right. George Zimmerman shouldn't have followed him. He shouldn't have harassed him. But at the end of the day, Trayvon Martin is dead. You know, Tamir Rice was in the, the park shooting at people, shooting a toy gun at people, walking up to people, act like he was shooting them with a gun. Now did the police need to just come up and just open fire automatically? No, they didn't. Tamir Rice is also dead. Someone failed these. No one is talking about who failed these people. Parents are failing their kids. Walter Wallace's parents failed him. You guys realize that because he's dead. Someone did not properly prepare him how to interact with police. I hope a lot of you who have kids, man, y'all are preparing your kids what to do and what not to do. I hope your kids would not do the same thing. I hope if they are detained or have a problem with police, they're not charging at them, trying to fight them. I sincerely hope you make sure that's not what they would do because that's what I'm going to do with my kids. You, you see what I'm saying to you? We can talk all day. It, was it excessive? Should should the police have Everyone wants to talk about the police. Let's talk about how to avoid this from happening next time. What can we do to prevent this in the future? Because isn't that ultimately what matters? <laughs> They're dead now. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter how many times they shot them. You can get shot one time and be dead. How do we help kids not get shot? How do we, because should he have been detained? Should he maybe have been institutionalized? Maybe even arrested? Those would all have been better options than him being dead. And the reality is police are going to shoot you if you act in an aggressive manner. This is not a question of if it's going to happen. It's going to be, yes, it's going to happen. And that's, that's not something that's going to change. 
I know police, they're, you know, if you threaten their life, they're not going to hesitate to kill you, you know. So we can talk about that till the cows come home. The question is, who's telling these kids not to act in an aggressive manner? So that's, that's how I feel about the actual shooting. But what I have a real, a, 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 I'm not going to say a bigger problem, but and also I also have a problem with is the media's response to the shooting. I have a big problem with the media's response to the shooting. You know what I'm saying? And just like I do all the time, because what happens is, you know, the media is very selective with their intentions. They're very selective with how they present black men specifically. What do I mean by that? Trayv- I'll use Trayvon Martin. I'm going to use three examples. Trayvon Martin was, what, 17 when he was killed, 18? He was a big kid, you know, he was tall, you know what I mean? He was very expressive on social media, Twitter, things like that, you know what I mean? However, the the image that was plastered all over the media was him as a child, as a little kid. I'm not going to say a child because 17 is still technically a child, but the image that they chose to show everywhere was a younger Trayvon Martin. Why? I think we all know why. The reason is to invoke emotion, to incite a race war. You know, why not? I have no problem with how Trayvon presented himself on Twitter or on social media. That's, that was him. That's what he chose to do. I'm good with that. But the media had, is very selective with the pictures and the images that they use because they know it's, it invokes more emotion when you show a little kid as opposed to a grown man. You know, that's what their goal is. But my thing is, if, let's just say hypothetically Trayvon Martin was, let's say he was a cop killer. He wasn't killed by a cop, but he was a cop killer. And I'm just using this as an example. Let me just ask you guys listening in. Do you think that they would have used that same baby picture of Trayvon to plaster that as this cop killer? Do you think that's the image that they would have chosen? I hope no one thinks that. I hope no one thinks that little 13-year-old boy picture that they chose was is what they would use to show a cop killer on CNN. They would have gotten his most oldest and roughest picture to show him as this monster. Why? Because he's a cop killer. That's what they would have done. Mike Brown. Same thing. This guy was a giant. Mike Brown was very big. He was a very large man. But if you look at the, if you Google Mike Brown right now, just do it. Just Google Mike Brown while we're on the on the line. Google Mike Brown and you'll see the image that that pops up is his younger picture. Look at look at that picture. His high school is probably high school graduation picture. You know what I'm saying? He probably looks around the same age as that younger Trayvon Martin picture that was posted. But that was not an accurate image of Mike Brown when he died. You guys see where I'm going with this. Walter Wallace. If you, you, you Google him, that, that, that bow tie picture will come up where he looks like a little kid. That is done specifically. If he killed someone, they would not have chosen that same picture to depict him. Does that mean that the media should 
not show us in a positive light. No, I would love, I want to be clear, I would love for us to always as black men be shown in the best possible light. Absolutely. I'm sick of always seeing us portrayed in the in the worst possible light. But my thing is, be be you know, be equal about it. Be fair about it. Don't only show me in the best light when you want to invoke emotion. Don't don't do don't only show me as a monster when I'm accused of a crime, because that's what they do. They're very selective with the bow tie. Get the bow tie picture. Be consistent with it. That's all. Be have some. Let's have some consistency. And it's all done. What you saw, the riots, the rioting and the looting and all that, that was done because of the media. You know what I'm saying? The, we allow the media to, you know, determine the issues that we're passionate about. And if we didn't, it, I mean, then we would we would be just as passionate when someone is killed in the hood. You, you know what I mean? We would. One of my very good friends many years ago was killed. Some of you guys who've been around in the in the Friends of the Dayton Tolbert show know him, Virgil. Virgil Means, a very good friend of mine, was killed in, in Colorado um by a white a white gang, like a white um like a, a biker gang in a in a shootout. His 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 death didn't I mean, this was someone who comments like like I comment. Like, we were always in the group commenting and talking, and he would call into the show from time to time, and you know, and he was killed. Didn't make national news. You know what I'm saying? So I think we just have to be, you know, we have to ask the media and require the media to not be so selective about how they portray us. So, so one of the last things that I'll say is we have to understand that you know every because I was like when everybody has these these cell phone videos, where it's amazing. You got body cam stuff. You got cell phone footage. When 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 um I forget his name. I did. It, I forget uh, the last guy choked out. I can't breathe. Um, uh, his name escapes me right now. Somebody got that on tape. You know what I'm saying? It's like, my question is, where's the tape? Where's the cell phone footage of these other 300, you know, murders in Philly just this year? Like, oh, I'm sorry. We, there is no footage. Why? Because we have a hood mentality of don't snitch. It's it's cool to snitch on the cops, Right? It's cool to have cell phone footage of police shootings and police brutality, but when the local neighborhood drug dealer goes on or the gangbangers go on a shooting spree and shoot up the the neighborhood and a six-year-old girl is caught in the crossfire, nobody saw it. I've never seen that. I've never seen, you know, it's just like you just don't see that type of stuff because the, the, the person shooting that video, their life would be in danger. But the life of the person shooting the video of the police killing somebody, they're a hero. They're celebrated. Why, if a police officer kills us, should we snitch on the police? But if a gang member kills someone, it's you better keep your mouth shut. 
you know, and so I think that's just, that's just kind of like, you know what I mean, what we have to, these are questions that we have to ask ourselves. We can't, we have to hold our ourselves accountable the same way we hold police accountable. You know, if black lives matter, then they should also matter in the hood. They should also matter, you know, they should matter everywhere, period. They should just matter. Now, here's where we have to have an uncomfortable conversation. I didn't I didn't I would have never known about this. But someone posted a video of Walter Wallace in a uh he he was evidently a rapper, an aspiring rapper. He had a music video uh, out where he was you know, he had rifles and he had guns and different things like that. And I'm not you know, that's not the the main point that I have an issue with. But what I have an issue with is Everyone is saying how black lives matter. But if you guys, and I posted the video, if you listen to the video, one of the things that he's saying in the video, it's a number of, and the whole video is ridiculous, but one of the more ridiculous things that he's saying in the video is bragging about killing someone. I guess he's a gangster, he's this, he's that. You know what I mean? He's, he's rapping and bragging about killing someone in this video where he's holding these guns up. And he's like, I ain't going to say the person's name because I ain't going to, you know, I don't want to get, you know, indicted or something to that effect. So the question that I have is, does the person, and, and this is this is all, he could be lying. He could just be saying he killed somebody for cloud or street credibility or, you know, whatever the case is. But assuming he actually did do what he said he did, which is kill someone, did that person's life matter or no? Does the person who he murdered, does that person's life, whose name we'll never know because he doesn't want to get indicted, did that person's life matter? Because we're saying his life mattered because it was taken by a police officer. You see what I'm saying to you? Like, what about the lives of people who are killed by us? Do their lives matter? Does black lives matter apply to people who are killed in the hood? By hood niggas. These are just questions that I'm asking. You know? Um, so what we've seen over the last week or so in response to his killing was protests, riots, looting, looting of black-owned businesses. Right? I mean, we're not talking, I mean, it's, and I say, it's like, I, I feel like I've had, I have deja vu. I just named y'all at least 10 shows that are I've done over the last 15 years, maybe more, you know, about people who were killed. And we every time I have to have this same show about, you know, destroying our own community. One of the things I said on Facebook was destroying your own neighborhood because someone from, you, from your neighborhood is killed is stupid and is nothing more than an excuse to ride and loot. That's what I said. I mean, think about that. Let me just say it again. You're destroying your own neighborhood because someone from that neighborhood is killed. What type of sense does that make? Let let me, you know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense. You're going to destroy your where you live at. You're going to destroy your local drug uh, drugstore, CVS, Rite Aid, but the elderly people in your community now cannot get their prescriptions filled. The elderly woman who would walk down the street to the CVS 
and she doesn't drive, where is she going to get her medication from? Who knows at this point because you destroyed the CVS. And, and the thing about it is, is that we are we are destroying local businesses. And I guess one of the reasons why I am so passionate about these topics is because I grew up in the hood. You know, I grew up around, you know, um, black people. I grew up around violence, drugs, um, and different things. And as because I wanted to try to give back to my community, make a difference, I, you know, I, I've op- I do a lot of work in the hood, and I, I've, I've opened a business in the hood, in the smack, like smack dab center of the hood, a barbershop, a hair salon, you know, TRC Hair Studio, and many of you guys support it. And I, I tell this story every time I, I do one of these shows, unfortunately, but the, the violence and the chaos that ensued around my business that I invested thousands of dollars in, you know, see, the problem with it, it wasn't the Proud Boys destroying and, and littering and causing trouble around my black-owned business in the hood. It wasn't the Proud Boys. It wasn't Antifa. It wasn't white supremacy. It was niggas. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There were times where I would literally be in my black-owned establishment that I opened specifically to try to empower my neighborhood, but I had to close up early because of bullets flying. Literally. Like, yo, somebody just got their haircut. All right, all right, talk to y'all later. Yo, hold up, hold up, chill out. Wait, 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 wait 10 minutes. They're shooting outside. Like, that's, that's what I had to tell my customers. You know, oh, yo, chill, man. Close the door real quick. They're fighting. You know, and these are conversations that everyone has to have in the hood. It ain't, you know what I'm saying? People try to act like the Proud Boys. I'm just using that as an example. The Proud Boys are our biggest concern or the biggest threat. The Proud Boys are my biggest concern. I don't think about no Proud Boys. I don't think about any white supremacy in my day-to-day life. I think about actual things that are realistic possibilities for me to experience in my day-to-day life, unfortunately, which is niggas in the hood, just like many of you. We can sit around and turn on CNN and turn on social media and act like, you know, Donald Trump is our biggest problem, but everyone who's being honest knows that Donald Trump isn't the biggest threat to you or your family. I mean, unless you live in a little house on the prairie somewhere, you know what I mean? I don't know where y'all live at, but if you live in the hood, guess what? I got news for you. Donald Trump ain't your biggest problem, and you, but, you know, you already know that, don't you? So all I'm asking is for people to be honest about their passion. Don't allow the media to determine and to dictate the things that you, you know, get all excited about. Oh, gosh, Donald Trump said stand back and stand by. Some of y'all ain't never seen a white supremacist. Some of y'all ain't never seen the KKK. I went to school in western Pennsylvania. I saw a lot of the KKK. I saw a lot of white supremacy. I went to all-white schools growing up, or a all-white school growing up, you know what I mean, and and saw it firsthand. And everything that I saw wasn't as bad as what I see in the hood. 
we can act like. I mean, we can. I'll play the game with y'all. We can go ahead and keep playing this this ridiculous game, like you know, uh, white supremacy and white nationalists are our biggest problem. And I'm so scared of white nationalists. Oh my goodness, you know what I mean? Like, let's 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 all you know curl up in the fetal position because of white supremacy. But the reality is, is hood politics is the biggest problem. Police are not the biggest problem. Racist police, trigger-happy police are a problem, you know, but they're not the biggest problem. They're an issue that needs to be addressed. But, you know, walking down the street, you know, some of y'all, man, y'all, depending on where y'all live, you keep it honest. You know if you come in from work, you come home from work, and you leave something in your car, and you're like, Dad, shoot, I left my, my book in the car. Let me run out to the car real quick. Depending on you where you live, that might not be the best idea. Why? Why is that not the best idea? Because Antifa might pop up? Because white nationalists might pop up and you know, tie a noose around your neck and call you a nigger? I'm pretty sure that's not your biggest concern of going out to your car late at night to get your book out your car. The problem is some niggas outside lurking. Checking, you know, checking doors to make sure you lock your door. You you come out the next day, you you, let, you messed up and left your door unlocked. Now your cars have been rummaged through. Who rummaged through your car? Was it was it the Proud Boys? <laughs> I'm saying I don't think it was the Proud Boys that rummaged through your car when you left it unlocked. You know who it was? It was Tyrone down the street. The same guy who rummaged through your car last week when you forgot to lock your car. You know, the same guy that probably knows who or was responsible for himself for killing the, the six-year-old girl in the crossfire. You know what I mean? Like, we, we got to get out of this, man. We got to get out of this, like, this 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 fantasy world that we live in. And, again, I'm not just not to say that the Proud Boys are not a problem and will not be a problem as, you know, in the next few weeks. Who knows what will happen? But one thing that we do know is what's a problem right now what was a problem last week, what's going to be a problem next week, and for the foreseeable future. Because guess what? I got news for you, and I'm about to be done. No matter if Donald Trump is president, no matter if Joe Biden is president, guess what's not going to change? Certain things are going to change depending on who, who's elected. You know, um, if Donald Trump gets elected, we probably won't get as much money in the stimulus from the Republicans. You know, they're going to they're gonna block that. That's not what they're into. Nancy Pelosi and them have their way. We all going to get paid, hopefully. You know what I'm saying? But one thing that's not going to change is the hood. The hood is going to be the hood regardless if Clinton is president, the Bushes are president, Obama is president, Trump is president, Biden is president. Guess what? The hood is there's still going to be gentrification. There's still going to be niggas. There's still going to be gangs. There's still going to be robberies, killings, rapes. The, here's the, listen, listen, the ultimate irony is that we want to get mad about Trump talking about Mexicans and certain people coming over illegally who have rape, you know, rapists or murderers and things like that, but people don't even have an issue with their murderers and rapists in their own freaking hood. 
You know what I'm saying? It's like ridiculous. We're more out, we have more outrage about Trump talking about rapists and murderers from other countries than we have for actual drug dealers. I know women who have sex with drug dealers and scammers. That's like the new wave. Some women, you know, they love scammers. They love rapists. They love drug dealers, hustlers. You know what I'm saying? You know, Breonna Taylor. I mean, rest in peace. You know, but we know what she was into. We know what her boyfriends were into. It's not, you know what I mean? Drug dealers, drugs. You know what I mean? Like, this is what, this is what is the reality. We can act like, oh, the media this, the media that, but the, the, I know real-life women who hide drugs and funnel drugs and, you know, buy gu- illegal guns or they buy guns legally and, you know, give them to their, their drug dealer uh, boyfriends. They scratch off the serial numbers and they commit murders with those weapons that were bought legally from women like, you know, Breonna Taylor, you know, buy rip, uh, written cars if they have good credit and no record so they can do certain things legally that other people cannot do. But the reality is when you surround yourself in a particular lifestyle, that increases the likelihood of bad things happening. You know, And again, if I'm saying something that's incorrect, let me know. But everything that I'm saying is these are facts. You know what I mean? And so we just have to try to not do what the media does which is have selective outrage. Don't play the same game that they're playing with us. You know, if you want to destroy something, go downtown. Go destroy City Hall or, you know, protest down there. Don't don't tear up your own neighbors. Because the reality is, we, I got to be honest, we try to act like we're protesting. I have had conversations with people who have said, yo, I need me a new TV. I hope somebody else gets killed so we can tear some shit up. So, yo, that, that sneaker villa is looking real nice over there. I can't wait for something to happen. We, we busting that thing down. This is how they talk. I've heard, that's what I'm saying. I've heard, actually heard people having these conversations. Like, yo, what's up? We out? We, we out tonight? You going out tonight? Yeah, they, what, what, what store are we hitting? And my question then is, where are the parents? Because here's the thing. I couldn't... <laughs> I couldn't just tell my mom when I was young. <laughs> like, it's not people my age or your age out there looting. Y'all know that, right? It's not, oh, I got to work tomorrow. So, I mean, you know, I got to, dang, I got to, I can't loot tonight because I got to get up and go to work tomorrow. Nah, nobody is out there looting at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, burning police trucks and setting fires and throwing bombs. Like, nobody's doing that. These are kids doing these things. These are kids doing these things. You know, and so the question is, where are the parents? Because, like I said, I couldn't tell my mom, oh, hey, mom, I'll be back. Oh, where are you going, son? Oh, no, I'm going out to loot and riot, you know what I mean, Cause some, tear some shit up. I couldn't tell my pop that. My pop would have punched me in the face. You know, my mom would have took a, a pot to my ass, you know, beat me with the frying pan. Can't Can't tell them. It's like I was in the house. They always knew where I was. I went to school. I went to sports. I ran track. I played baseball. I played tennis. Um, you know, these are things that I did. I ran cross country. After track practice, I came home, had dinner. I did my homework. By that time, it was 7 o'clock. You know, 
chilled, you know what I mean? Maybe maybe watch the Cosby show on, on TV. We weren't allowed to watch just anything. I was allowed to watch the Cosby show, A Different World, and that was about it. After that, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, get ready for bed. There was no time to go rioting and looting. So where, I'm just asking, what's changed? What What's different? Where Where are the parents, you know, where are these kids getting all this time from? You know, where's the accountability? Where's the parental responsibility over your own kids? Just turn on the news. Where? Think, look at the time that this stuff is happening. These are younger kids. Where are the parents to say, get your ass in the house? Most of us listening in, we grew up, it was like when the, when the street lights come on, you, you bring your ass inside. So the problem isn't, I mean, yeah, there are certain problems out here that surround the, the police and government, which we've talked about. But at the end of the day, you have to control your kids. You have to control your house. You know, and these are things that have to be done. These are things that we can no longer continue to make excuses for. You know, like I said earlier, the school systems aren't good. Teach them yourself. Or, better yet, take them out of school, uh, public school and pay a little bit of tuition. If that means getting rid of that ridiculous car note that you have because your credit is not, is not good, you're paying $500 a month for for a Toyota Camry. You know what I mean? That's 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 high school tuition for a nice private school right there. You know, got the weave weave done, you know that nobody likes anyway. Save some money and and stop complaining about the school system and send your kids to a good school. Okay, guess what? He doesn't need new Jordans every two weeks, once a month. Jordans cost $200. Add up all the Jordan money, that's a year of tuition right there. That way you don't have to complain about the school system. But the the problem isn't the kids. The problem is the question of whether or not the parents are willing to make that sacrifice. All this this PUA money out there, Right? All this PUA money, everybody's living like fat rats. No, it's, I mean, just I, I'm trying to leave you alone, man. But people out here are living like fat rats, okay? Making twelve hundred dollars a week. That know how much money that is for a lot of people. If you're used to making minimum, working a minimum wage job or not working at all, at all, you went from nothing to struggling to not. See, here's the thing. Let me just break it because a lot of people, if you're not on PUA, you don't know what the extent of how much money these people are getting. Let's just say you worked last year or you worked up until, let's say, like February or something, and then you had to stop or you just stopped working or whatever because of the pandemic. You And you filed, let's say, in like May or June or something like that. They sent you a, a check. A lot of people out here got checks for like, just a lump sum that took you back all those weeks to February. So you got a lump sum. Most of these people out here got a lump sum check of $12,000. And then from that point on, they went on to make $1,200 a week. How much money that is, you know, and then I'm not saying that that's a problem. What I'm saying is, how many people use that money to better their situation? I'm sure not a lot of people. 
You know what I'm saying? Well, now that it's over, instead of saving that money, people are out, I mean, people are out here buying cars. You know what I'm saying? Buying Gucci, Louis, Christian Dior, all types of stuff. But now they're back to complaining. So all I'm saying is, like I said, at the end of the day, man, parents hopefully will have more um, control over these kids and, and ultimately more responsibility for their circumstances, whether that's politically. I don't care who wins, honestly. You know what I mean? I don't care. It, it really doesn't matter to me, to be honest with you, because we have a system that's broken and we have a system that's corrupt. You know, so no matter who is in office, it's still going to be broken and still going to be corrupt. And you're still going to need to do what's best for you and what's best for your family, which is what I plan on doing. Not complaining, because I'm going to do what I do. I'm a prof. I'm a, remember, I told you, all we're blessed regardless. I'm blessed regardless. Donald Trump has been off in office. Joe Biden's in office. I'm going to do what I do regardless. Hopefully you guys will too. So I appreciate you guys for listening, man. Um, like I said, follow me. Um, at Daydon Tolbert, Instagram, Facebook, add yourselves to the Friends of the Daydon Tolbert Show group. Um, like I said, all shows are available at iTunes, iHeartRadio, uh, and at Daydon Tolbert Show, uh, dot com. So, uh, thank you guys for listening, man. Be safe out there. Like I said, it's probably going to be a crazy uh, couple weeks, so, you know, be safe. Uh, as my mom always used to say, keep your wits about you. I'll see y'all next time.
Motivated you, girl. Date on me. 